I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you are new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Rise and shine. I don't know if it's morning for you guys, but this is another time where I'm recording at 7.13 a.m. And I just wanted to greet you with a little Kylie Jenner rise and shine in case you forgot about that. I dressed up as Kylie Jenner in the rise and shine video. I got a black dress and I put little felt Chanel C's all over it for this past Halloween. No, whoa, not this past Halloween. The Halloween before that, the last Halloween where you could actually like dress up and go out. And a girl at the bar uh, (laughs) was like the only person who was like, are you the rise and shine video? And I was like, yes. And it was the proudest moment of my night. I just needed to share that story with you guys. Also, to start out with a little morning affirmation, if you will, I had to share this tweet and it was a a retweet by Mariah Carey and she retweeted retweeted the cut saying, despite being eternally 12 years old, Mariah Carey got her first round of the coronavirus vaccine over the weekend. And she retweeted that and said, this article is the best thing ever written. And I think it was referring to her being eternally 12 years old. So that brought me a lot of joy. I got my vaccine on Monday and I am so happy to have gotten it. I got the one shot one, the Johnson and Johnson one. And I'm not saying this to deter anyone from getting it. I think everyone should get it. I would get it a million times over. But guys, I felt like shit. Like I had the chills. I had joint pain. I've never even known what joint pain felt like until this. I had muscle aches. I couldn't sleep all night. And then I had to go to work the next day. And I mean, I just luckily I was like, I have to work from home. But the whole day was a struggle. And I feel like the biggest wimp because everyone else in my family like has got the vaccine and I'm the only one who struggled that much and I like to think it's because my immune system's just really really popping um I'm telling myself that to make me feel like not such a little wimp my arm also bruised up really bad like it's still bruised so I don't know I don't know why it knocked me on my ass so much but it did all right, to get into some little pop culture news, I read the best news yesterday. Hulu is coming out with a three-part series on Von Dutch hats. You know the vibe. We talked about on early episodes a lot about how, for better or worse, we knew Von Dutch hats were back when Emma Chamberlain started wearing them. Emma Chamberlain, influencer, Gen Z queen. So this three-part documentary is coming from the same people who did the This Is Paris documentary. It was the Paris Hilton YouTube documentary, which I lapped up like the thirsty little odds girl that I am. And this is from a Deadline article that I got this information. It says, the series chronicles the true story behind the rise and fall of the iconic 2000s brand. In this character-driven saga, Venice beach surfers, gangsters, European fashionistas, and Hollywood movers and shakers all vie for control of the infamous brand, pushing it from obscurity to one of the most recognizable labels on earth. After a decade of backstabbing greed and bloodshed, their lives and pop culture will never be the same. Oh, that description just gets me tingly with excitement. I mean, this really combines all of my loves. We've got documentaries, pop culture, scandal, trashy fashion. I mean, I cannot wait. 
And I was reading a little bit of the backstory of Von Dutch that I just wasn't aware of, and I won't spoil any of it for you, but I really think this, I think it's going to be a good documentary. Get ready. Uh, Speaking of throwbacks, Kenzie made me a little string ting ripoff, and it's so cute. Oh my God, I'm looking at it right now. And string tings are the official company that makes those little bead charms that go on phones how would you describe them Kenzie because they're more of like a wristlet they almost make your phone like a wristlet you know because they're I would say a phone wristlet actually when I was looking at them because phone charms evoke more of the early 2000s metally clinky just decoration whereas this even they're bigger they're a little more obnoxious looking but they do have more of a function you're right it's kind of like An early 2000s trend reimagined for the current day. It's like a choker (laughs) on your phone. Oh, interesting description. When I was making Bailey's, and I like to think that mine is not, I mean, I guess you can say anything is a ripoff of something official, but I think (laughs) mine is very personal to Bailey, very cute. Um, yeah, so I don't want to say it's a ripoff. No, she's right. It's, it's her own take on it. It has my initials on it. So it's even personalized. It's like better than a string tank because it's personalized and it has all these pastel colors. I'll take a picture of it and post it. Um, and what makes it even a million times better is I was looking on the String Ting website. And girl, get that coin. I support this website. I think her stuff's so cute. Every celeb is wearing it. I'm not saying don't go buy her stuff, but it's expensive. Like the, the cheapest String Tings are $49 and there was multiple ones and they were sold out so people are buying these that were upwards of $200 for like a little phone charm that's made out of beads and I mean some of them did use nicer material like a Swarovski but as Kenzie said you can get a lot of Swarovskis at Michael's for not that much so you know again get that coin girl but I'm just saying you know, maybe if you want Kenzie to make you one, maybe you can commission her to make you one. Mm-hmm. She'll probably do it for free because I'm always telling her to sell her stuff and she never does it. But that's a story for another day, I guess. You know why I'm just reimagining this capitalist market where I just give things away for free instead. <laughs> right. And you live off your sister. I support you fully while you just get to make your crafts. Is that the vibe? <laughs> my own money too no I was saying in this anti-capitalist world of yours oh yeah I'm I'm totally joking I I understand I have to sell um so I just posted on my story on the kind of cute podcast Instagram I'm so sorry guys I've just been taking sips of my coffee and I realized that that might not be a pleasant sound for you guys I apologize Haley Kiyoko you like our bread (laughs) if only she was here to smell it um I posted on my story about them doing a Powerpuff Girls remake, and I saw photos of it on Just Jared, and I posted about how low budge the costumes look. I mean, these look like little cotton dresses with a chunky black belt, okay, which I realize is is visually what their costumes look like, but I thought they would give them superhero material, a nice sleek look, you know, updated a little bit. And so I posted that, and Verge said, TBH looks like a shitty meetings get up and the accuracy of that and she is referring to our themed sorority meetings which we were actually meetings entertainment for two semesters and we would have to come up with the themes and buy the alcohol because yes at our sorority we broke every rule and drank during our meetings and literally I think I could find an outfit I wore that looked almost identical to these Powerpuff Girl outfits because the cotton dress with a chunky belt 
in knee-high socks. I mean, that is, that's like a standard college, at least of my time back in the day, look. So I don't know. I hope that maybe they're going to put some CGI on it or something and just spruce it up a little bit because the way it looks now is not it. I would have hoped that they actually would have gone for a more late 90s to aughts look, like a, actually like a very like modern spin on it. I I don't like how all of them, they, they're all wearing mismatching socks. Um, I understand that maybe it's to like show their each personal style. They're mismatching socks and they don't look like they're that nice of socks. No, they're and like looks, an Amazon tube sock. I know. And honestly, it looks like, I was looking at their 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 dresses. They look like a pair of um, like very cheap like exercise skorts that you would get at like a Target or a Walmart or something like that. Like oh, you so know, you think it's a skirt? I definitely thought it was a a dress with like a chunky belt. See, I feel you like think it's it a two part. A, I I well maybe it's a one part, but I feel like it has to be like a skirt ish. Like there has to be shorts underneath it. Oh yeah, for flashing purposes. Yeah yeah yeah. Anyways, we'll they see. They also gave Dove Cameron one ponytail. I only saw one ponytail. <gasps> oh, you're right. So Dove Cameron plays Bubbles, and Bubbles iconically always has pigtails. Iconically. You're right, though. It was a side shot, so it could have been that she had two, and they are just kind of low, and the one was blocking the other. If we look at Bubbles, Bubbles has got kind of like a borderline space, like little space. Yes, they're on the going. side. They're on the side, and they're really high up. <laughs> Bubbles we my favorite, we so. have feelings about Powerpuff Girls. Obviously, I was a Blossom girl. I named my bird Blossom, um, and she was just such a badass, and she was, like, the leader, so. <laughs> okay, how do you say Reggie Jean Page from Bridgerton? Is that right? Is it Reggie? Because I know it's, like, French, so is it Regé? Like, I have no idea. I would guess. But it maybe is Jean Page? Oh, yeah. Probably Reggie Jean Page. Yeah, maybe it's like I should know that. Okay. I, I don't know. It's sad that I consume a lot through the written word, so sometimes I don't know how to <laughs> pronounce it. It's a, it's a concern, and especially, like, I never – I can never get the consistency of French pronunciation. The consistency? I can never keep consistency. That's what I've Oh. <laughs> with French pronunciation. Yeah. It's hard. Verge, you could probably help us out on that, too. She speaks French. So he, he, he said that he contracted for one season, and I think he obviously is definitely leaving on his own accord. And Shonda is probably pissed because she knows him and his tongue-licking spoon is a moneymaker. And rumor has it that he's leaving to play Bond, James Bond. Just as an aside, I graduated high school in 2007. And is there anyone else out there who graduated high school in 2007 and all the shirts were like guns with 007 on it? And looking back on it, I was like, that's like vaguely inappropriate, but that was the vibe. Anyways, (laughs) I was vocal on here about not liking Bridgerton. Um, So I really thought the Duke of Hastings and his storylines were the best part of the series. Like I really wanted to support my girl, fellow Dartmouth grad Shonda Rhimes, But Daphne just ruined it for me. I think obviously there are so many things about the show that were so cool and well done. But Daphne, damn it. She, (laughs) her character, I just could not. And then some of the treatment of some of the characters, um, I, oh, I just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I didn't find it an overly pleasant watch. Like sometimes I felt like I was sloughing through it a little bit. And the fact that the next season is focusing on Anthony is just 
an ooh for me. I really disliked his character. I'm hoping if he's the lead in the second season that they're going to find ways to make him more likable because he was repulsive to me. Anyway, so I... I told Helen that he might be leaving for Bond and I wanted to share her response to give some balance to my opinion. And she wrote, ew, that's so lame. Proto-masculine Cold War era capitalist bullshit instead of this revolutionary show. No, thank you. And I mean, when she puts it that way, I'm like, touche. So, you know. I I will say he would, he's a delightful looking man uh, or delectable man I don't know I'm not very good with my adjectives in the morning um so aesthetically I think he'll be a, a wonderful James Bond oh same that's why I was excited about him like I haven't seen a Bond movie in a while but now I'm like sign me up I think this is going to be an interesting switch from Daniel Craig I think Daniel Craig was a very attractive Bond man but I like that we're going young tall dark and handsome now and it's not confirmed yet but I think uh that's the general consensus and I do think I mean he's so suave what does Idris Elba think he's like I was supposed to be the first black bond damn it <laughs> poor Idris he would have been a great looking uh, bond as well I mean he's great at anything he does mm-hmm. all right I am so excited about our first article of the day an interview with the man who keeps uploading my feet to wiki feet by Laura Bassett what I mean, talk about some clickbait. I saw that and I said, sign me the hell up, immediately clicked, immediately knew I was going to talk about it on the podcast before I'd even read the whole article. And as someone with an anti-foot fetish, it astounds me every day how into feet pics people are. And that shit is making the big bucks on OnlyFans. So she starts out the article by saying, back in the fall, I received an unexpected text from a man I had just started seeing. Are you on WikiFeet? Assuming he was joking, I laughed and said no. Then he sent me a link to my WikiFeet page. I had actually never heard of the website, basically an encyclopedia of celebrity foot photos for fetishists and foot enthusiasts until that moment. Honestly, talking about this in the morning does the same thing that thinking about Dr. Pimple Popper in the morning does for me. So I'm <laughs> I'm going to get through it, though. <laughs> also, I, I didn't even think about this the first time I read this article, but she doesn't really acknowledge the fact that clearly the person she is going on dates with is also in defeat because otherwise how would he know that she was on wiki feet so clearly she's attracting a she must have really nice feet i need to we're gonna have to pause when i'm done and look at her instagram because i meant to do that before we started because apparently you'll see throughout this article that she uh was posting inadvertently feet picture on her instagram and that's how they were ending up on wiki feet So she goes on to explain that she's not a celeb, but that she has a pretty decent Twitter following because she's reported on politics for years. And she explains that she was shocked to be looking at her own WikiFeed profile that had her name, her birthday, uh, photos of her feet, and that dated back to 2013. And she noted that they seem to be lifted from her Instagram page, which she keeps public. And... Her feet had a sad 3.5 out of 5 stars rating, which (laughs) categorized them as okay. (laughs) And I loved this part because she describes how at this point in this journey that her investigative journalist instincts kicked in. And she figures she could refresh WikiFeet over and over after posting a barefoot photo and then checking the list of story viewers as soon as it showed up. So that narrowed down her list of suspects but it wasn't enough to make it really conclusive so instead she posted on her story and said if you're the person posting my foot contact please 
content, please DM me. No shade. I just have questions. And then she noticed just last week that the man had reached out and his name is Robert Hamilton. He's a 50-year-old, 58-year-old salesman from Northern New Jersey. And he wrote, okay, what questions do you have? I admit I posted. If it bothers you, I apologize and will not do it again. So these two, Laura and Robert, they set up an interview together and they talk about mostly feet for an hour. And he explains to her that he had a foot fetish since he was six years old. And it started when his sister's friends would come over and be barefoot around the pool and he would give them foot massages. And then he describes another story when he was like nine where his I think again it was his sister's friends like chased him around and hung him up by his feet and then were tickling his feet I've always found it fascinating how these things begin and you always hear rumors that a lot of times they are rooted in childhood things remember when we were talking about car- carnivores and they said people got it from that Porky the Pig episode which I was really sad I couldn't find a clip of to insert yes so it's it really is fascinating to me how the brain works and how it you know, becomes entwined with these kinks, basically. Mm-hmm. And she asks him how he interacts with WikiFee and how much of a day he spends on it. And he said, usually if he's watching a movie with a beautiful actress, he'll go on the site to check out her feet. Or if he's reading a story about someone like Laura, who he thinks is very pretty, he's going to go check and see if, you know, they're on there because he's curious and he loves feet. And he's apparently posted a couple hundred photos on there. And he can't remember how he first discovered Laura's feet, but he looked on her Instagram and saw her on there and she had a lot of barefoot photos. So he followed her and he also says, I like your dog. I like Pedro. He's cool. Your feet are quite beautiful, by the way. Like the amount of times he awkwardly talks about her feet in this interview. Oh my God, guys. So she asks him what makes a foot attractive. And he says he likes painted toes, which I have that. Okay, one point for me. He, he says he likes an arch. The more pronounced, the better. I'm kind of weird with the toes. I like a rounded big toe. If it's more square, it's okay, but the rounded is better. I definitely like the soles, but I like the arches. That gets you turned on. Kenzie's like looking at her feet as I as I, I talk about this. Well, do you ever, I was like, uh, yeah. I'm happy that to know that I would never be on Wikipedia. Oh, see, wait. My next note was that I don't have a I don't have a pronounced arch, but you do. So I said, Kenzie, let's get you on Wiki feet. I feel like people think my my feet are very ugly. I have too long of toes. (laughs) I am sure there's people out there who are into that. There's a foot for every person. I'm sure a foot for every fetish. Uh, I don't even like my own feet. I don't think a lot of people like their own feet. Um, I don't get pedicures at a salon for a reason. (laughs) I don't want people touching my feet. So he describes a photo that he liked of hers, and he says, the one on the stoop, and what is it, a flying nun get up, and you were barefoot? And she says, I was dressed as a handmaid for Halloween. (laughs) You posted that one? And he says, yeah, sorry, that was very sexy. I mean, how does Laura keep a straight face during this interview? This is peak journalism because I I really don't – maybe she didn't keep a straight face. I mean, maybe she's cracking up. I'd be on the floor. Well, actually, no. I wouldn't even be able to laugh because I'd feel so uncomfortable that I would just die. I think I would just die on the, on the spot. Um, and so she asks who else's feet she likes to post, so – He says, Jennifer Aniston, (laughs) Kelly Ripa, though I don't really like her. But anyway, Kate Beckinsale, I put her up a lot. Musicians, Cheryl Crow. 
And then she says, what are the best feet you've ever seen? And he says, Marilyn Monroe, Kate Beckinsale, Laura Bassett. I'm ass kissing baby. (laughs) Grace Kelly, Rita Hayworth. Oh my God, I love her. And Laura says, you've posted Rita's feet. And he goes, yeah, I did, but she's gone. So I don't think she gives a shit. (laughs) And he says he rates women's feet on WikiFeet. And she asks if he ever rates them poorly. And he says, no, you know why. And this is silly. Like, I know these people, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. If they're ugly, I just don't go there again. Which is nice. I mean, that's very, you know, considering someone who'd be trolling uh, foot fetish sites, you, you wouldn't expect them to have that level of decorum, I guess. So he gets one point for that. And then he describes how he had a quadruple bypass and it was a heck of a lot of fun. But you know what? When I was in Florida in the hospital, because of course he was in Florida. I mean, he's a New Jersey man, but you know, at least we do have good hospitals here. I'll give us that. I've had a couple surgeries. I had the nurse coming in at night showing me her feet. I actually took her out to dinner a couple times. I can just get girls out of their shoes. It's a thing I can do. I mean, was that the most delightful article ever or what? I mean, it's vaguely uncomfortable, but I also love it. All right, on to our next article, Catching Up with NYC's Vaccine Daddy by Sanjita Singkertz. Again, Sanjita making me jealous with her interview dates, and I didn't even know who this man was before I read this article. And just before we get in it, this Man, Huge Ma invented a site called TurboVax that's been used by a lot of New Yorkers to help them find vaccine appointments in real time. And it gave him the moniker Vaccine Daddy. And Sanjita says in person, it's a fitting title. She says, when I arrived at Chelsea's Chop Shop, the engineer behind the account, Huge Ma, is already waiting for me. He's wearing pewter-rimmed glasses and has the kind of full-face smile that's evident behind his face mask. A neat plaid number. A warm blue t-shirt stamped with Brandywine Falls, Ohio, gives way to splendid arms, one of which offers me an elbow bump, revealing splendid biceps. I spy a tennis racket poking out of his backpack and thank it. I love Sanjita's subtle objectification of the men she interviews. She really has an appreciation for the male form that comes out in her interviews, and it just adds a little flavor that I like. So as of the writing of the article, TurboVax's Twitter page has more than 160,000 followers, and its website sees up to a million views a day. And when he built the site in mid-January, he says Bridgerton was playing in the background. I thought that was relevant to today's discussion. And... The reason he did it was because he had so much trouble getting his mom an appointment and he found the process so vexing that he thought he would take, quote, a pass at a small slice of a big problem. And with all of the hate against the Asian American community, he sort of pivoted in a way to denouncing anti-Asian racism alongside TurboVax. And to date, it's raised more than $180,000 for Welcome to Chinatown. And he actually temporarily took down TurboVax in protest to the Asian American hate crimes. Um, So he's really using his website as a force for good. And he didn't have much of a social media presence otherwise. It says that he chose not to publicly document his quarantine pastimes, watching BBC Live Lounge performances and Architectural Digest home tours and playing Harry Styles songs on the piano. I mean, I know every girl who read that is, if they're anything like me, it was instantly jealous of Shinjita getting a little date with this man. I mean, 
I've always never really wanted a guy who's going to play me songs or write me songs, but the idea of someone being able to play me Harry Styles on the piano is very appealing, and we know how much this girl likes an Architectural Digest home tour. And apparently he had a day job at Airbnb, but he's taken a break from that to run TurboVax full time. And his goal is to open source the code so that people everywhere can replicate it. But then it says he has no plans to monetize it. And I was really confused by that because I'm like, how is he making money off of this? How is he able to quit his job? Like, I hope that people are giving him GoFundMe money or something. Like, I don't know how he's getting a kickback. And I just I'm like, he really deserves it. And his friend suggested that he sell Vax Daddy merch. And I think that is a brilliant idea. And he should get on that ASAP. I think he'd probably have a lot of buyers. So props to him. I love that. I actually have been using this site made by someone that's similar. It's called Vaccine Spotter in Florida. And it's helped me get appointments for my family and so I just like have to give a big round of applause to anyone who developed a site like that. We're kind of on a tech vibe today. So my next article is everything you need to know to make it through a conversation about NFTs by Amelia Petrarca. Now, Amelia actually usually writes about fashion. So I kind of like that she's pivoted to this little tech moment. And I've been hearing about NFTs so much. So if you're anything like me, and I really didn't even want to delve into what they were, but the other day I did look it up and I think I have kind of a very general overarching sense of what they are now. And I thought I would maybe give that to you too if you haven't heard about them yet. So NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. And as Amelia describes, they don't exist in the physical world and they're strictly digital assets made up of unique lines of code that are stored on something called the blockchain, which is like an immutable digital ledger or to use real life terms, a receipt written in stone. And you need cryptocurrency to buy one, specifically Ethereum. And she touches on the fact that this is all really about manufacturing exclusivity and it's about having proof that you own the original or real version of a digital asset and the digital asset can literally be anything it can be a tweet it can be an article it can be a video a photo a gif um it says a Times writer recently auctioned off a photo of his article about nfts for five hundred and sixty thousand dollars. so it's literally like owning the original of like a signed autograph rather than owning a picture of the signed autograph, if that makes any sense. And she uses a reference from a walk to remember that I really appreciated. She goes, it's sort of like in a walk to remember when that guy buys a star for Mandy Moore, what he really bought was a piece of paper giving him the right to name the star, not the star itself. No one can really own a star in the same way that no one can really own a tweet. We can all go online or look up in the night sky and see them for ourselves. That piece of paper, though, serves as something like an NFT. And unfortunately, because apparently this bitch loves exclusivity, I'm like, I want an NFT. I'm like, can I get like a cheap NFT? And how do I get Ethereum? How do I get the the cryptocurrency. I, I'm telling you, I tried to learn about Bitcoin, like when Bitcoin was really first becoming a thing. I remember I was in law school and I'm sure it had been around before that, but I, I felt like I was on the early side of it and I tried so hard to get a grasp on it and I just didn't get it. I also had no money. So it was kind of a moot point at that time in my life, but I, I just didn't really get it. And I think NFTs are maybe a little bit easier to understand when you can compare it to something like an original autograph versus a copy of it. That's something I think we can kind of get our head around. But I am still struggling with cryptocurrency. If anyone has like a good crash course in it, let me know. 
And honestly, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I saw something about there being a Teletubbies cryptocurrency, and then it quickly became obvious to me that this was tweeted on April Fool's and is a big joke, but there's just so much to unpack here. A, that Teletubbies HQ is a real Twitter account, and that's the official Teletubbies account, like, I didn't even know they were still around and actively tweeting. And they tweeted, the Tubby Coin Big Hugs token, an official Teletubbies cryptocurrency made with special hug tech from Wild Brain Labs is here. For every like, share, comment of Tubby Coin, the Tubby Coin becomes more valuable. Let's take it to the moon. And then you click on the link and it's people in a lab with the different color vials and they're like, we're harnessing the power of Teletubby hugs. And it's all just so weird. And I get that it's an April Fool's joke, but but like, who are they appealing to with this? I mean, my mind, I'm still trying to process it. Oh my God. Like, what are what does the world come to? I just don't know how to feel about these NFTs. All right, guys, as promised last week, uh, we have and I think about it a lot this week. And this isn't really even a throwback one. This is just something we noticed last night when we were watching The One, which is pretty good, I have to say. It's on Netflix, and it's about this company that creates an app that can find your one true match through your DNA. But a lot of shit goes awry, and there's murder, mystery, intrigue. And there's a really badass uh, woman detective in it. She, she's probably like one of my favorite characters in it. I think Kate's really cool. Uh, there's a lot of badass women characters in it, and the men are kind of just there as props in a lot, in a lot of ways. Uh, so Kenzie was saying a thing she thinks about a lot is how in these shows, the detectives are so thorough and just, I don't even know how to describe it, just so good at doing their job. Whereas when you watch the true crime documentaries on Netflix, there's a disconnect. An extreme disconnect. Now, I don't want to... I, I know that there's plenty of detectives out there in real life who are still as hell-bent on finding the person and solving the crime as the detectives in um, these murder mystery shows. But I just don't get it, you know? I, I'm watching, and I was like... Odd, of course, every person always gets caught in these murder shows, these, you know, murder mystery shows... Because the detective is like, I'm going to find it. But then in real life, the amount of cold cases we've, we have, like all of these things where they're like, well, we just couldn't find sufficient evidence or we just couldn't find sufficient DNA. So, uh, yeah, the, we didn't solve this case. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have like the detectives in the show being like, um, I'm going to ask a childhood friend of theirs. Like they found a childhood friend in a different country. I don't know. I just, it was, it made me think it was funny when we watched that, you know, the, we watched the, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. It was the HBO max one on the original night stalker. And there were a handful of police officers in there that were like, yeah, I, I wanted to keep going, but then we weren't allowed to keep going with this case. But for the most part, it was like, they were literally bumps on logs. (laughs) They were bumps on logs. Like, had Michelle McNamara not been around, none of this would have happened because they were like, uh. Yeah, that show single-handedly made us say, if we ever go missing, please put us out to the podcast community and the little internet, you know, put us on Reddit. Seriously. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and again, not to hate against. I'm sure there's a ton of talented detectives, and I think it's it's much easier in a television show where everything's kind of tied up nicely in a bow, and it's way different yes. in the real world where, yes, you know, it's just it, it, it's just a funny disconnect is all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we think about that a lot, and now it's time for my legit shit. So we're watching Summer House from this past week, and they're having a discussion by the pool, the girls, about whether they shave their buttholes. <laughs> and that, to me, was shocking, because I was like, these girls are always in bikinis. Everything's out there on the show, and you're telling me they don't laser themselves? And that's when I realized I had to share with you guys that if you have not, if you are a woman or a man and there's hair in a place you don't want it and you have not bought yourself laser hair removal yet, this is your PSA. This is your sign to go do it because laser hair removal is the best thing I've ever done. I've had it on my armpits and a Brazilian and I would love to get like my whole body done. <laughs> and it was just so worth it. As someone who was waxing for years, that shit adds up so fast it's so expensive to get a brazilian wax and to me i know everyone's different on this but to me a wax hurts way more than a laser so if you're on the fence and you're scared about it i'm telling you just rip off the band-aid and do it and it's not perfect after your six sessions but once you get a couple touch-ups i mean it's and it's so much less if you have the right it works best if you have like um a contrast in your skin tone and your hair color so like with me it's a very fair skin and then I have pretty coarse, thick, dark hair, and that makes it kind of the easiest to do. So I realize some people can't necessarily have as much success with it, but if you can do it, it's life-changing, and it's just so fast and easy, especially your armpits. When you when I go in for an armpit appointment, it's she's done in like 30 seconds. It's just like zap, 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 zap. Okay, like done, and having like smooth armpits and not seeing the little black speckles right after I've shaved is so satisfying. So I don't know who needs to hear it. I think the summer house girls too. And I'm, I got a Groupon. I know they're always like, well, don't get a Groupon for a laser, something as important as that. But I just read their reviews on Google. Yelp, they had good reviews. It was so cheap. I think all of my sessions of getting my Brazilian done were $150. Like what? Truthfully, I think everyone does Groupons because they realize that they're like, the laser is so expensive, so we're probably not going to get as many people coming in, so we need to put it on Groupon. And it, it gets people to come in because everybody that we've known do it, do it with Groupon, so you can trust it. Oh, yeah, and you can vouch. Yeah, you, I have it too. Yeah, and it's so worth it. So I know I've talked about that on here on Passing, but I was like, I need to make this an actual legit shit PSA. This is your sign. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye.